1: at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandslots.com Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor behind of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and it is... That's right, 1.25 a.m. on the East Coast as I record this Winners and Losers podcast, a special podcast that's not going to have a mid-roll ad. We're not going to have any of that stuff. It's going to be right to it. The Winners and Losers, this is a game. The Steelers are victorious. It's a victory Tuesday. That sounds really weird. A victory Tuesday. Nonetheless, the Steelers find a way to win. They hang on for dear life, whatever you want to call it, 29 to 27 over the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football and all those crazy streaks that everyone's been talking about continue. One of those streaks ended. For instance, the Steelers hadn't beat the Chicago Bears since 2005, the snow game at Heinz Field where Jerome Bettis ran over Brian Urlacher. The Steelers have now won 50 Monday Night Football games in their history, the first team to do so. Uh, They also have not lost a home Monday Night Football game since 1991, and that dates back to Three Rivers Stadium. This was a crazy game. And before we dive into the winners and losers, I have to mention BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Make sure you go there. We're going to have a lot of turnaround. We're going to have a report card. My winners and losers column will be there. Uh, We're going to have Mike Tomlin's press conference at noon Tuesday. So make sure you're there. There's going to be a lot of stuff happening, and we have it all there for you in one one spot, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Wherever you get your podcasts, in case you stumbled upon this podcast in one of our articles, All you have to do is search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, follow, whatever that platform requires so that you don't miss a thing. All right, so this is a special podcast. This is not normal for me to be doing a podcast that is just the winners and losers. Tuesday's the live mic. You're going to get that around 11 o'clock, I believe, Eastern Time. But I decided I want to do my winners and losers because I know my ride-or-die crew is going to want to know who falls on that list. So here we go. I actually... After this game came up with six winners and six losers, we're going to go through both and then you're going to be on your way. And I'll be back tomorrow with mailbag and all that good stuff. So let's get this started off with the winners. First winner, Pat Fryermuth, the rookie tight end. Listen to this stat line. Five receptions, 43 yards, an 8.6 yard average, two touchdowns, a 13 yard long and six targets. So five catches on six targets, two of those go for touchdowns on a day where Heath Miller was in attendance. And it was kind of like Heath to Muth. I mean, it's, it's gone from one to the next. I, I I really feel like this young tight end is going to have a really special career in Pittsburgh. And he is kind of blossoming in front of our very eyes. You see the Steelers, you see Ben Roethlisberger trusting Pat Fryer and more. And why wouldn't you? The guy rarely drops a pass if he has dropped one yet. If it's in his catching radius and there's not someone draped all over him, there's a good chance he's going to bring it down. Pat Fryermuth is a red zone target that the Steelers haven't had in a long time. He's just built different than Eric Ebron. He's more of a two-way type tight end. He can They can use him to block. He still has the athleticism in the hands. We, we've seen that on display the last two weeks where he scored three touchdowns in two weeks. Pat Fryermuth, a big game, deserves to be on the winner's list, and I hope this is just one of many to come. The next winner, Ben Roethlisberger, Benjamin Todd, that's right. This is a game where a lot of fans might say, really, Jeff, you're putting Ben on this list? Eh, That's a stretch. Okay, I, I can understand why some would think that. The eye test tells you that he didn't maybe play his best game. Then you look at the stat line, and you think, wow, maybe it was a better game than I thought. Here's his stat line. 21 of 30, so that fits into that 25 to 35 range that I always talk about on my podcast. So 30 attempts, completes 21 of them. Very efficient day. 205 yards passing, a 6.8-yard average through two touchdowns, no interceptions, Sacked four times for 30 yards with a 111.1 rating. This is tough to say in a lot of ways. This is what fans should be hoping to see from Ben Roethlisberger in the later stages of his career. And if that's just this year, then that's just this year. I have a feeling that the days of the 400-yard passing games and the 300-plus-yard games, they're a thing of the past. And that's not a bad thing. It really is not a bad thing. Ben Roethlisberger is learning to manipulate his way through this Matt Canada offense and learning to trust not only the offensive line, but the running game to keep balance. This is what fans should expect, and this is what they should hope for. 30 attempts, 21 completions, 2 touchdowns, no interceptions. If this is the Ben Roethlisberger that we're going to get as fans, and let let me also say... This wasn't just Ben managing the game. Let's not let's not forget he had the game winning touchdown drive when the Bears go right down the field, right through a defense that looked like Swiss cheese. The Steelers get the ball back with, I believe, 146 left. The, ben Roethlisberger gets the ball. I was pretty confident for the first time in a long time, thinking they're, they're going to find a way to make this, they're going to find a way to win this game, and they did. Thanks in large part to Ben Roethlisberger. So he's a winner, whether you like it or not. Next winner is Trent Jordan Watt. That's TJ Watt. His stat line is as follows. Seven tackles, four solo, three sacks, three tackles for loss, one pass defense, and three quarterback hits. For me, when I look at TJ Watt, I- I'm amazed. And he's always on the winner's list, rightfully so. But the one thing I'm really kind of I'm amazed but I'm kind of concerned with as well is I constantly think back to, what if this team loses TJ. Watt? That's a fear. If you think about it, I mean, what if TJ Watt were to get hurt again? I mean, they lost him for a little bit with a groin? He missed about a game and a half, and he's still probably not a hundred percent. but he's becoming the main cog on cog on defense. If they were to lose him, that would be absolutely devastating. I'd love to see someone else step up, but in the meantime, TJ Watt is seemingly taking this team on his shoulders, this defense on his shoulders, and said, I got it. Get on board. Let's go. He's on the winner's list. Next winner is Cam Hayward. His stat line's not crazy. Two tackles. Two of them were solo. One pass defense. Three quarterback hits, but he also had an interception. It was the second interception of Cam Hayward's career. The first was in week one. Last season, in the early game on Monday Night Football in MetLife Stadium, Daniel Jones was flushed to his left. I'm not even sure who he was trying to throw it to, but Cam Hayward comes down with the ball. It was one of the most awkward interceptions I'd ever seen, and he gets his second INT. It was a big play. The Steelers scored a touchdown off that turnover, a huge swinging point early in that game. Cam Hayward continues to be a wrecking ball, and he deserves to be on the winner's list. Next winner, again, nothing flashy. But making plays when it mattered the most. That's Deontay Johnson. Stat line five catches on six targets, 56 yards, an 11.2 yard average, and a 22 yard long. That 22 yard catch was the catch and run. That play looked eerily similar to the one the Steelers ran against the Cleveland Browns in week eight that sealed the victory. This was the play that got the Steelers into field goal range. Deontay Johnson, he's. He he sometimes puts up a lot of numbers. This game, only 56 yards, but they needed every single one of those yards. A good game, he's becoming more reliable, and that is really important. Deontay Johnson's on the winner's list. The last winner, the Steelers' fourth down offense and red zone offense. Listen to the stat line. Two for two on fourth down conversions and three for three in the red zone. This is what you want to see. I talked about this leading up to the game, is that you have to win those crucial moments. These are some of the examples of that. Those fourth and one, Mike Tomlin is very confident, and rightfully so, to put Najee Harris out there to say, go get the yard, young buck. And in the red zone, they're mixing it up. We see more in Matt Canada's offense. The jet motion sweeps have been working. They're at least causing the defense to have to adjust. They're giving this, the quarterback some reads. I like what I'm seeing from their fourth down and red zone offense, so there are the winners. Let me read them back to you in case you forgot. Winners, Pat Fryermuth, Ben Roethlisberger, TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Deontay Johnson, and the fourth down slash red zone offense. All right, let's go to the losers list. Yeah, there were six losers, and I think that most of you would probably agree that the winners and losers should have been pretty even after this game, nonetheless, let's get started. The rookie offensive linemen, I'm talking about Kendrick Green and Dan Moore Jr. They struggled throughout the game. If you watch the game and you watch the offensive line, especially Kendrick Green, there were some times where Najee Harris got the ball, and it looked like Kendrick Green was in his in his face almost immediately. He was getting blown off the ball, and that's tough. That is tough. I said this on the post-game show. I said it to my wife Uh, We were watching the game together. The kids are in bed, and she's sitting there watching, and I believe they were showing Robert Quinn on the screen. And she said, wow, he looks older. He looks like a veteran. I said, yeah. And then she saw Kendrick Green, and she said, boy, he looks young. Yeah, he is. He's a rookie. A third-round pick out of Illinois. Only played four games at center his senior year. Now he's going up against these fully-grown men. And it's not like Kendrick Green's not a full-grown man. It's different. Think about when you were a freshman in high school. The first time you walked into your high school and you saw a senior, and you're like, "Wow, like, like that! Look at that guy! Like that's a man! I'm, I'm not that. That guy has a beard. I, I don't." And I would, when I coached at the high school level, I would always say to my freshmen that came up, no matter how talented you are, no matter how talented you think you are, the first moment that you go up against a senior, because you're good enough to play varsity, the first time you go up against a senior, is a huge reality check. Now, the really good ones, once they get over that, they'll be fine, but there's always that adjusting, and I think these two players, Kendrick Green and Dan Moore, are going through those adjustments, and they're learning on the fly. Let's hope that this is a learning experience and not a new norm of having them on the losers list. All right, next loser is Ray-Ray McLeod. We all knew this was coming. I mean, if if you pay attention, you know this is coming. Ray-Ray McLeod has Done some questionable things throughout his career. I know I've talked about how I wish that sometimes he would come up and fair catch the ball instead of letting it bounce. Um it's kind of nitpicking the position, but when I was watching the game, again, my wife's sitting on the couch and Ray Ray McLeod gets the ball in that fun, on that punt return. And all I'm saying is, hold on. I said literally say it out loud. Hold on to the ball and just go down. Hold on to the ball, just go down. And so he's trying to fight fracture yards. What happens? Fumbles the ball. Doesn't go down. And it's not that it was just a turnover. It's not that it was just a turnover. No, this turned into seven points for the Bears. It completely swung the game. If he doesn't fumble that ball, the game's not as close. We're not talking about such a crazy finish. It is what it is, but that play can't happen. And so Ray Ray McLeod went on Twitter, and he have, was apologetic. Whatever, dude. Just don't do it again, because if you do, I, I would feel I have a feeling you would be gone. He, I feel like he's replaceable in the offense, but still a costly fumble by Ray-Ray McLeod. Next loser is the third down offense. Uh, I always do this for those that follow my uh, winners and losers. The third down offense, the stat line, I look for 500 or better. The Steelers were 6-17. for 17. That isn't good enough. So as good as the fourth down offense was, two attempts in that regard. 6-17, for 17. you have to win those crucial moments, and the Steelers just have. Haven't done it in a while, it seems. Next loser is just the offensive line as a whole. Uh, four sacks surrendered, five quarterback hits on Ben Roethlisberger, and only averaged 3.3 yards per carry. Um, I thought the only, the maybe the lone bright spot was the right side. Trey Turner did have a play where maybe there's some miscommunication. He had a free rusher up in Ben Roethlisberger's face. Also, I thought of played well. You have to wonder, is this the week that Zach Banner is going to be inserted into the lineup? Did Dan Moore play poorly enough that they would move Chukes to left and have Zach Banner go in? I don't know. Banner was inactive, again, so we're not sure what exactly is happening in that regard, but we'll see. Maybe that there is a mix-up, but the offensive line needs to be better for this team to compete. That's just the fact of the matter. The next loser is the officiating. I'm not sure what to think about this. To be completely honest with you, um, whether it's the Cassius Cassius Marsh taunting penalty, um, some of these phantom calls, and and you know I'm sure there are Bear fans that have every right to be ticked off. Steeler fans had every right to be ticked off when in Green Bay when Joe Hayden rushes in and blocks a kick, and they call him offsides, and he wasn't offsides. You have every right to be upset, but the Chicago Bear fans can't be mad at the fact that I, I want to say it was Robert Quinn lined up sides at least two times in the game, and another player did it another. At some point, you have to realize, wow, I'm either in the neutral zone or I'm not, and they think I am, so I still need to back up. It They can't be strictly frustrated at the officiating. Some of them were legitimate penalties um and you know they'll talk about Justin Fields not getting calls hey if you're gonna get if you're looking for sympathy in terms of quarterbacks getting hit you're go you're barking up the wrong tree if you're talking to Steeler fans they've watched their quarterback for their favorite team Ben Roethlisberger be literally abused most of his career and never get a call why well he's a big guy and sometimes he shakes off those linemen nose gets broken by hello Nada no call I'm sorry your quarterback got hit a little late save it. You're not going to get much sympathy from the Pittsburgh Steelers. FYI. And the last loser, the ESPN broadcast, you know, the stat line is this. There's a reason why people watch the Manning broadcast instead of the game broadcast. The The Manning brothers, when Peyton and Eli are doing the Monday night game, their ratings are higher, I believe, or if not higher, they're pretty close to even with the actual game broadcast. Why? Those three guys are are tough to listen to. I'm talking about Steve Levy, Greasy, and Lewis Reddick. I tweeted out during the game, Lewis Reddick, can he please get a GM job so he'll just shut up? I know you like Justin Fields, but my goodness, it just felt felt like they as announcers were trying to somehow even out the officiating being one-sided. That's what it felt like to me. That's not your job. Your job is to just call the game. So if you think it's a bad call, say it's a bad call, move on with your life, move on with the game. No, they just kept on at it, kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, just because these calls are going against Chicago doesn't mean that the announcers have to be all on board with Chicago coming back. It felt felt orchestrated from an announcer standpoint. It felt deliberate, and it was really annoying. And I know I'm not the only person that thinks that. I know I'm not. So those are my losers. My six losers are... Kendra Green and Dan Moore, Ray-Ray McLeod, third down offense, the offensive line in general, officiating in that ESPN broadcast. Yikes. All right, folks, that does it for me. The special Winners and Losers podcast is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. I I will be sending out that tweet Tuesday at around noonish make sure you follow look for the shooter mcgavin gift i'll ask you for questions for the mailbag i'll be back tomorrow wednesday with another let's ride podcast folks the steelers win be happy 29 27 i don't care how many points i'll talk about it more on wednesday in the meantime be safe be kind and god bless have a great day go steelers here we go